Welcome to In China with Michelle Zhou. Manufacturers have long known China to be a leader in their industry, but now the world is recognizing China as a business center for companies, market traders, education, and artists. It's no wonder that the economy has grown to be the world's second largest. In our program, you'll learn from the thought leaders and professionals who have lived in both the U.S. and China and continue to do business there. Now, here is your host, Michelle Zhou. Welcome, everyone. It's so great having you here today. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou, and I'm your host, Michelle. I'm the founder and the CEO of Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. We help American and Chinese organizations learn from each other, bridge their needs, and grow their businesses internationally. You can always contact me at our company website. ptcgconsulting.com. Make sure to click on the links in my show link, or email me at michelle.zou at ptcgconsulting.com. And I always welcome you to to connect me on LinkedIn. Today we have Wei Dong Chen on the show together with me. Wei Dong is the founder and the CEO of Howray Consulting.、Uh, we are going to discuss a very big question. Why did some companies fail while others succeeded in China? Okay, Wei Dong, welcome to the show. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for having me.、Uh, All right. <laughs> Let's start with a,、uh, a basic introduction of telling who you are to our audience. Thanks, Michelle.、Uh, I came to the U.S.、Uh, in the '90s to New York City for the university. Then studying the University of Iowa study、uh, MBA program, then I went to the Sprint doing the branding and then the international、uh, practice. In the 2005, I moved to Seattle and、uh, beginning my consulting business. So I focus on more like a management consultant, operation consultant、uh, for U.S.、Uh, companies to China, and also recently、uh, a lot of Chinese firm. Uh, looking for investment in the U.S., so I do the due diligence for them. Also, I have long-term advisory、uh, consultant for private、uh, business person. Wow! So you worked in big companies like Sprint. Then you moved to Seattle. By the way, I moved to Seattle in 2005 as well. Okay. <laughs> so we came in、yeah. the same year. Same year. Yeah.、Mm. <laughs> right. Right.、Uh, did you start your consulting?、Uh, Your own company right away when you moved to Seattle, or you work for some other companies doing consulting. No,、uh, I still doing the. I'm still working for the con,、uh, for the Sprint for one year for the international side because、uh, my wife moved here and I remote for the for the Sprint to the international. Anyway, Seattle is much closer to the Asia, so I frequently、uh, flew to Japan and China and Korean. So that's more convenient for me, but.、Uh, One year later, when the sprint merge with Nextel,、um, I'm thinking it's a it's a more I can do my work, not necessarily travel back and forth to Kansas City or Washington D.C. Okay, so you started your own company from that time. Yes. Two thousand six, yes. Yes. Okay, it's it's a pretty、uh, long time now. It's twelve years now. Yes,、hmm. it's take time to to have your you know clients build up the business, and、uh, build up the trust. Hmm. 
Okay, so uh, as a very, very experienced consultant and focusing on international business and especially uh, U.S. and China, because I'm doing U.S. and China as well, but I don't do the merger acquisition like you are doing, uh, helping those companies do that type of things uh, today. I'm my, my company is more focusing on uh, business side of uh, consulting and the training. Uh, and we also help market, markets to enter into other markets, um, help companies enter into other markets. Um, so I think uh, there are a lot of things that we, we probably will have a uh, good common ground to discuss today. Uh, let's get back to the point of this topic, the big question we are trying to answer today. <laughs> Why did some companies fail while others succeeded in China? Because um, I, for this company, uh, for, for this topic, uh, you know, I worked in uh, big companies like Microsoft and before for some other companies like EMC. And we do, you know, both sides, U.S. and China and many other markets. Uh, that's one of the phenomena we see. Um, some big uh, global companies went to China, you know, some earlys are in the 1990s, some a little bit later. Then a couple of years ago, uh, we also saw many companies, they left, uh, they closed their doors or they closed their offices in China. So there must be something that uh, some peop- some companies did really well, did right, and they, you know, grow their business and uh, China becomes such an important market for them. And there are some companies may, you know, met some challenges, uh, some stuff internally or externally, so they decided to leave. Um, so from your observation, what are some key things or very important things that you think uh, they did right or wrong? Hey, Michelle, this is a really, the really, really big topic. So because we only have a limited time, uh, I try to summarize into the seven points uh, from my consultant business. So I summarize because I consulting for not only the telecom uh, company, technology company, but also the food and beverage business and also the, the Silicon Valley startups. So so based on our time, I, I want to be just focus on uh, major seven points that I summarized from my consultant business, the learning from there. I think you, you have a really good points. I think a lot of company uh, had succeed in China early because we just opened up 30 years ago. So there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of uh, you know people look at the new technology. But the business is evolving, right? Business environment is evolving, and the population, the customer base is evolving. So, so that one, I think, a lot of people know management style change, the competition landscape change, Chinese catch up, right? They have a lot of investment. Also, the the social media and marketing environment are totally different. We have WeChat environment, and <laughs> uh, you know, you know the PNG. I think the PNG has done a great job. It's one of the company I really like in China very diversified, but even they had a problem trying to catch young people how to promote their message, right? How to keep mm-hmm. fresh image. That's another issue. I think yeah, also the, to- the culture just- political change. That's a mm-hmm. multiple reason. If a company didn't evolve with this change, they are going to be, you know, lose the battleground. So then then let's go back. We we a little bit distract. Let's go back to the seven uh, seven point I really wanted to say, if you go to China, 
look at these seven uh, key points. One, I'm thinking, I don't really talk about it, the feasibility analysis. This is everybody doing that one. What I'm looking at is a, you, you need a self-analysis, right? Uh, I always say you maybe have a great product in U.S. market or North American market, but not necessarily really fitting China culture. Uh, some product you can adapt, some product you can customize to be inside China to be successful. Some product might never take off, right? So I think first up, you need to see uh, what's the, my product or services? You know, what's my strengths? Does it fit in China uh, culturally? And is there any market needs for that one? And another very important thing, I think for the US company go there is uh, China still the government driven business, right? They, they even evolving to the marketing driven, but still a lot of uh, no favor, a lot of resource going to pour in if you follow in the government policy directions. For example, uh, we have Made in China 2025. Uh, that is focused on AI automation, the intelligence manufacture. Another big topic policy is uh, called Healthy China 2030. That is a huge healthcare uh, resource going to support. So if any of your product or services uh, fall in these two directions, it's going to be help, right? It's positive for you. So, mm -hmm. so, another, so you said, the, mm -hmm. just so one I, second, I want to uh, dig into this a little bit. Uh, uh, the Made in China 2025 and a Healthy China 2030, these are policies, uh, you said, or initiatives coming from the government, uh, the Chinese government. Is that correct? Yes, correct. This is not only the slogan, they are cover a pretty broader uh, sectors and, uh, you know, technology spectrum and really long-term uh, directions. So, so this is going to be consistent policy support, not only from government side, also from, you know, partnership of enterprise and the investment from the PEVC side. So if you're following these directions, we, your product match these directions, it's really help you uh, to be successful. Mm. Which means if uh, if I'm trying to go to China as a business, if I look at, uh, okay, I belong to the smart manufacturing or AI or whatever, the, the things that fall into this policy uh, scope, then uh, that is uh, more like riding the tide, I think uh, using uh, American way to say it. And then I am uh, going to be able, first, being welcomed. Second is uh, maybe I will get a lot of support from the government and from uh, partners. Uh, so those are the good things, um, good good industries or good businesses to go. Um, yes, is that that's correct? correct? Yeah, I think that is a plus for you, right? If you are in the dying business or declining business like a coal or resource-driven, very polluted environment, um, very government has more restriction, I don't think that is a direction. It's negative for you, right? So, mm -hmm. so last first 20 years reform, we focused on resource, focused on manual, low end manufacture, very pollution, and uh, sacrifice a lot of environment and the health of the China. In the next 30, 20 years, China moved to more another stage. They try to leapfrog the old fashion, try to be lead on the smart technology, AI, and on the healthcare side. Mm. 
So I would like to revisit this Made in China 2025 and Healthy China 2030 a little bit later in the show because I think it's important to understand, at least from your perspective, to understand uh, what this means. This will help our audience uh, who are interested in China to get the, you know, the, the, from the more macro side to understand mm-hmm. the the policy, the trends in China. And uh, now I will just, because uh, uh, sorry for the destruction, because you were talking <laughs> about this seven points and yeah. I'm kind of st- stopping you at the first point. <laughs> yeah. So, so when, after you look and say, hey, sure, my product fits China needs. And uh, then we move to the second part. It's not, a, I know for, for my experience, not everything going to fit exactly. You, are going, you can move same to the China, you have to be adapt, right? If you cannot adapt, if you cannot customization or your product fit unique culture uh, or customer of China, you, you won't be successful. Uh, for example, Starbucks, right? Everybody knows Starbucks. Actually, I don't think a Chinese culture have the coffee culture, even for now. Uh, I think still the, the tea culture is major. You know, if you go to the family, you still drink tea, right? You, tea could be very expensive, thousand dollars a pound. I think Starbucks fitting really well is that they are a marketing company. I, that's just my opinion, right? They're doing great marketing, uh, great environment, great services. So basically, they can be a branded um, meeting place. You know, if I say I meet somebody in Shanghai or Beijing, I always say I want to go to this place. That's Starbucks. So I think you know they they adapt, they customize, but they they know where the revenue comes from. That's yes. one of the example. Mm. Right. Startups, I want to add a little bit to it because uh, living in Seattle, of course, a startup, um, star, Starbucks is uh, one of our very proud brand from Seattle. Uh, I think uh, uh, Starbucks uh, in the U.S., it's, uh, it's just something affordable to everybody. Um, but uh, its image in China or its brand in China, it's a little bit higher end compared to uh, what it is in the U.S. And it's for people who works in those uh, fancy high, um, the sky rise office building, that's where those people like to go. And young professionals, right, um, with decent income, that's where they like to go to meet people. And it's also for uh, business people like us, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's correct. I think that's the reason you the revenue mix is should be totally different in China, right? You mm-hmm. you for here maybe coffee is a is a lot of a you know seventy percent of the business. In there maybe other you know the the milk is the the other merchandise could be the big uh, income driven. So so you need an analysis in you know, the China uh, strategy could be different. So that's really nice thing. You need to adapt and customization to your product and services. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally makes mm-hmm. sense. And I remember when I first came to the U.S. back in the 1998, um, I was doing MBA. One of the cases we studied, um, at least uh, that's something in our group uh, presentation, I use McDonald's as an example. McDonald's in China, they, we serve hot milk. And mm-hmm. in the U.S., nobody will drink hot milk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's the same thing if you, if you look at the Starbucks. I sometimes I observed, right, in the Starbucks, people mostly like latte or, you know, the cappuccino. So because that is more chocolate flavor, right? Mm-hmm. If you went to the uh, Pizza Hut in China, it's, 
it's not a lot of cheese, it's more creamy taste. That's more adaptation to you know, Chinese culture, Chinese taste, kind of acceptable, right? If you have too strong cheese taste, not a lot of people going to eat that pizza. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so same that's thing, that's weird. If you can try in the pizza in China, you can have you know, seafood pizza. That's it. Uh, you cannot have in the U.S. because taste is so different, right? Seafood pizza. Oh, I've yeah. never had it. <laughs> you, you have to try it because I know that my one of the suppliers, my um, client from the U.S., is one of the largest North American seafood company. So, ah, uh, so you know a lot about the seafood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think it's time to take a quick break now. Uh, we just talked about uh, your first point. Uh, you know, when you go to. China, or, or think about it, what decides you success or fail in China, succeed mm-hmm. or fail in China. Uh, the first thing you mentioned is feasibility analysis. The second part you mentioned, well, adapt, uh, adaptability and your customization of your products to really adapt your products services to the Chinese um, users' needs. Yeah. Yeah. We will come back and uh, um, we will talk more about your seven points. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you interested in expanding your business to China, but don't know how to start? Are you wondering how to grow your sales in the China market and win over competition? Meet Michelle Zhou and her team at Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. Our consultants are U.S.-China experts and have all lived and worked in both the U.S. and China with many years' experience in market entry strategies, management, and execution. We can help you find the right partners, develop opportunities, and grow your business in China. Please visit ptcgconsulting.com today. In your business, are you on top of your PR game? PR is what tells your story. Whether it's the business itself, key people in your business, or showing your best face to the public, listen for the brand ambassadors. Host Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield will discuss effective presentation ideas, building your personal brand, risk management, crisis communication, and more. Focus your business goals and PR resources. Listen live Fridays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, we're back. So before the break, we talked about two points of the seven points that、uh, Weidong is trying to make today.、Uh, the first point、uh, he mentioned,、uh, well, what、uh, decides you succeed or fail in China、uh, is do a very very good feasibility analysis, knowing yourself and knowing the China market and the policies and、uh, many other things. The second part is well. Uh, make sure you will be flexible. You can adapt to、uh, the Chinese market, and、uh, you cut. Cu- you can customize your products and services to really meet the needs of the Chinese、uh, customers. Okay, let's continue. So, what is the third point that you want to share with our audience today? So, Michelle,、uh, I found out that when you have the first two points right, you you're ready to move.、Uh, from my experience, a lot of people failed on the third part is the commitment. Uh, support the the headquarter resource support and the execution. So what I mean is that a lot of companies don't have long term commitments, right? That kind of persistent perseverance. They they thinking they go to China, they got an easy win, and have、uh, underestimate the the complexity or difficulties in China market. Even they have a lot of the huge market. So when they face the first setback, they run away, right? They didn't stay there. So. Sometimes it's sad. They have good product services, they they cannot keep going. The second situation I met a lot of is,、uh, you know, company say, "Hey, I want to be there," but they didn't have the. It's more like afterthought, right? They didn't have the team dedicated to there. They didn't have resource dedicated. They're thinking, you know, we have great product. We go there, everything going to be smooth. So, so that's another reason you you need a really a strong support commitment from headquarter. Have a longer-term、um, view, and the special team to support that to implementation. So the third one is it's very my observation is that you know more accurate you can feeling about these years is the speed, right? You know even say I can do the adaptation, I can do the customization. Now in China that decision span is very short, you know. I see that my client summit say, "Hey, I want to do the adaptation. I go back to headquarters, do the research. Then I try to do the testing in the U.S. Then I go to China. You maybe take three or six months. At that、mm-hmm. time, China already changed, right? So, so we talk about the speed in China, not only in IT, in food services, in in every corner, people speed just so fast, right? It's more like a Silicon Valley in the seventies, and."、Uh, We some we joke about the the three numbers called the nine nine six. What that means is that in China for the startups, you you came in the company nine a.m. You left company nine p.m. and you working six days. That is spirit. You know I'm not encouraging <laughs> you know, to do that one, but that is a fact. If you really want the China market, if you really want to compete, that is the speed happening now. Right. Yeah. Even even it's more than nine six because I have a colleague when I worked in Microsoft. Um.、Uh, you know, there were a couple of years I worked in Beijing. I have a colleague from Microsoft China in Beijing went to a not a、uh, really really star 
startup, mm-hmm. uh, starting startup. They are more established uh, startup company. You know, get a decent funding, uh, growing really well. So he went there. Uh, he, he told me this in 96. Then yeah. after mm-hmm. some time, he said, well, I give up. I come back to uh, this type of, you know, global company like Microsoft because it's not 996. It's even more than that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he said, I, I want a little bit of balance of my work and life. <laughs> yeah, you, you need it. You know, it's just a reality because so many people have entrepreneurship in there. Everybody wants to be successful, right? But at the same time, you face so many competitors. It's not like here, if you have one or two competitors, then third one say, hey, I just don't have that resource. But after 30 years uh, development, China has such uh, liquidity, right? The PEVC ready put money to have the competition. You maybe have 100 competitors. Then you keep going. Who, who can get more money? They're going to be dominant. That's the reason everybody wants to be that role, to be dominant. Mm-hmm. So you have to be fast. Mm-hmm. And also, the, I think... in the, Based on this speed, do you have? It's very important why you have dedicated headquarters support and have dedicated team, Chinese team on the ground because they have to react really fast to the situation because situation changes so fast. You make mm-hmm. the quick decision. We talked about it later in the in the face point about the trust, delegation, and the communication. So, yeah. then, so I think uh, just mm-hmm. for this point, your number three point, uh, getting the commitment from headquarters, really from the high-level executives, uh, and uh, put uh, dedicated resources for China team and, and as, as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and uh, in the headquarters, you need to also have uh, you know more dedicated resources to support the China market, right? Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. And you talking about the execution, it needs to. It needs to catch the speed uh, uh, with your Chinese competitors there. Yeah, I think uh, by doing this, um, just to compare to many years ago, uh, when some foreign companies enter into China, their purpose at that time was more like, okay, I'm going to sell into this market. I, you know, I maybe sell. Very, very beginning was like a final partner, final distributor, right? I supply my products and they handle everything then to well i'm setting up my subsidiary uh, office mm-hmm. there uh you know i do some more work deeper work yeah so that's very different than today uh even even you just want to do this type of things maybe a lot of times because the market dynamics in china and the computation maybe uh, you know this requires the um the headquarter change the way of, of how they usually do things, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, correct. You know, the, the market is evolving, right? If you cannot keep up with uh, the market evolving, you, you, you can lose your competition within a quarter or three months, six months. So that is reality in China. It's very exciting, but it's very challenging too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so then, the, then the, this is, I think, more on the operation execution side. You have to be, you know, Executed really decisively when you're there, and uh, you know another question I, I know a lot of company ask me about it. not only technology company, it's also about like a food beverage or medical device company about IPR, right? Everybody, you know, worry about the China, you know, made in China. They do a lot of copies, good enough things. So this is a, a lot of company concern about that one. They hesitate to go to China. They are afraid of people to copy their um, product and the IPR. So, so I remember, like even in the in the 2014, you know, the 10 cents basically owned by the investor, 
majority share, a lot of shares by the Nespers. So they have one technology division called Erdato in Beijing, right? The CEO, Graham Q, is my good friend. I remember like maybe five, six years ago, he asked me about it. We don't, oh, we just worry about it. Like people are going to copy our technology. Our, our government going to be, you know, push us to open up the technology, right? I said, you know, if you only have, you know, one technology, you know, you, you cannot continue improve or continue innovate. It's better you not go to China because <laughs> it, it's not an if, right? It's just one because it's not like intentionally. Everybody, you, you have people from the foreign company or U.S. company went back. You have people working your in your company, they jump cheap, then start their own company. Sooner or later, you know, the IPR going to be uh, copied. It's, that's just the reality of the China. China is a, put a lot of effort to try to be enforced IPR, but at this time, I think if you just have one IPR, you cannot improve. You, you, you just better not go, right? For me, it's that you always try, when you're doing the 1.0, you already prepared 2.0. You only thing you can be offensive on this issue is that number one, you you actively have the legal pursue people copy you, right? That's a I call it defensive. Another way it's more offensive is you continue to improve. When the people get everything copy you dot one dot o, you already have two dot o, or maybe even generous. For me, it's more proactive. Say, hey, this is a one dot o. You know, when they up near obsolete, you just open up that platform to your competitors or to the people want to copy or to the government say, they know, I wanted to contribute. So the more people stick to your platform, it's better, right? Then you have 2.0. So, so that's if you have that capability, innovation capability, I don't think you should worry about the IPR issue. Mm. So in that way, then you are always running ahead of competitors. They are following you and they help you to create the market. <laughs> yes, I think you have to at the same time help you, right? Because it's help you grow, help you leading, help you one step ahead of the competition. Mm. Okay, so that's that's great uh, on the uh, protection, uh, protect your IPR site. Uh, yeah. That also force you, if you want to go to China, that also force you to really uh, go back to our earlier point that you need to innovate fast and you need to run really fast and you need to adapt to the Chinese market. Mm-hmm. Correct. So, so the number five, you know, relate to the number three. Remember we said, you know, the, the, you need to dedicate the team resource uh, from headquarters, but at the same time, you need you sh- you have to trust the China team because they know the ground situation, they know the culture, they know the relationship, they know the customer, right? So there's a big problem uh, between the headquarters. I see how you build a trust relation with the local team, how you uh, dedicate your power on a local team. You know, because remote control does not work. That's a definitely every any company try to remote control China from the headquarters ten thousand kilo away, it never works. So so you have to build the trust relationship with the local team. You know, people are just afraid of what if local team you know take off they they run away to other company. I think a lot of things can be. Uh, prepared can be trusted through the transparent communication, right? I think a lot of time it's a uh, it's headquarter and the local team is not synced together. You know, 
they they maybe have they 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 maybe have the same goal, but they they have different communication. So I think in the best way for for the both sides to have the really the transparent communication synchronized. I saw that scorecard out a note dashboard, so everybody can see what happening on both sides. Everybody can synchronize the effort together uh, to maximize the the corporate resource and the local know how you know capability. Yeah, it is easy to say, but it's really hard to do it because um, the cultural differences, as well as uh, because the differences in the cultural and in you know in the um, in the markets, in the environment, in the uh, dynamics, uh, uh, a lot of times uh, friction uh, <laughs> is caused uh, between uh, the the two sides, the local side and the headquarter, and also. Mental, uh, I use the word uh, mental models um, are different because uh, when we grew up in China, we we have our certain way of looking at the world. Then uh, f- for a person who is from the Western world, they look at the same thing. They may have different thoughts or different perspective. So it takes time, takes, uh, um, takes practice for both sides to really understand each other, uh, to know each other better. But uh, I think uh, your point uh, here is very important. If we assume uh, the good intentions and we, you know, we lay out the foundation that we will trust each other and we have some sort of uh, mechanism to help on the communication, on the transparency, then we can grow from this foundation, yeah, from yes. both sides. Yes. So, so the last two points I think is more, uh, it's, it's uh, about the government relationship, about the uh, public relationship. It's, uh, it's also important. In China, it's, uh, the government try to push the public-private partnership. Uh, it's more about the state-owned company, not really perform, not really efficiency. So they try to involve the, the you know, private company management skill coming in. So, so that is a way I really want to emphasize if you go to China, leverage this resource, leverage this kind of a, you know, like Apple, right? Sooner or later, you'll have to be pushed by government to do the data center, move to China side. It's more like Qualcomm, you, you have the punishment by the government. I think you would rather proactively, you know, say, hey, I have this one. I want the company, government to come here, work with us. I wanted the Chinese private company work with us. And, uh, you know, to form a group, the joint venture. The reason here is that for the governments, right, we always afraid the China government going to be, you know, interfere too much. Actually not. It's, they, they cover so much sectors. They really didn't want to, and they don't know how to do the professionally. So what they really want is that they want to know just what you are doing, right? So, so normally, for example, normally I suggest companies say, hey, you have 10% Use telecom, right? You have 10% China government to be there, so they comfortable what you're doing. You you have 40% you lead the company. Then you have 10 cents or other technology company joining or PVC. So you're still in the driver's seat, but you proactively uh, attitude really help the the government feel comfortable and want to to help you. So that is, I think, is a positive of them uh, passively uh, to be do that one later. So the ten percent, the the percentage. Are you saying the share percentage? It's just an example. You know, you can be five percent government. They you, so. You, what you are saying is that the company 
even it's the um, you know it's a foreign company uh, go to China, then you can open your uh, your shareholders to involve the government side or the state oh, owned. I, 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 no, I maybe confused. So that is only for the we call the PPP called the public private partnership. Oh, I see. You can still have the wealthy, right? The your own company, but you still have other value. Uh, joint venture in the future, so you can leverage that joint ven- uh, venture uses a PPP model, and you leverage government resource, right? Their monopoly on the certain sectors, and the leverage private company have capital. Basically, you can leverage that resource to maximize your value, but at the same time, it didn't influence your wealthy structure, right? That is one of the JV. You can use a wealthy as a platform to create a lot of JV for specific reason. There. Huh. So okay. that, is, that is really the, I think, in the trend is on there. So that's a very innovative way these days. Mm, the, the PPP, the public private partnership, partnership model. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, so that's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. the last one is a PR social engagement. You have to do that one, right? So we, we can talk about that one later time. But this is a seven point, I think, from my experience, you have to look at before you go. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, we all got the um, we all get the cue that it's time to take a break. So we will talk about <laughs> this part uh, when we come back. Voice America Business Network: The Bottom Line in Business. Are you interested in expanding your business to China, but don't know how to start? Are you wondering how to grow your sales in the China market and win over competition? Meet Michelle Zhou and her team at Pacific Technologies Consulting Group. Our consultants are U.S.-China experts and have all lived and worked in both the U.S. and China with many years' experience in market entry strategies, management, and execution. We can help you find the right partners, develop opportunities, and grow your business in China. Please visit ptcgconsulting.com today. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more, not just in it profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. To call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at ptcgconsulting.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, we're back now. So before we finished uh, from the uh, before the break, we talked about the seventh point. Uh, we don't you have you you mentioned is PR social engagement. Um, I think we can spend a little bit time to explain your point here. What do you mean by the PR social engagement here, and uh, why it's important? Yeah, so so in China, it's a, you know for the demographic change, a lot of it, we said a one child policy. Kids come up they. They grew up in really the you know dynamic family, the wealthy or poor. You you're pretty supported with a lot of things. What do you want? Parents gave you right. So they are very self confident They are very nationalism. They are very proud of the 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 wealthy of China. The opportunity there. So so you have to be you know project positive image to for the win win situation. You know they are very sensitive to. Any PR, you know, issues. For example, Marriott, right? What happens? They they just writing the you know the sensitive thing they didn't do is correct. They shut down the Marriott, you know, Delta airline. You you have to be careful. You have to be really have the the PR uh, crisis management procedures. You you have to be deal with this kind of emergency. It, it's sometimes it's not intentionally, but it happens. So you have to pre- prepare for that one. Yeah, also, and for that one, I want to just mention one thing. A lot of times, the people in the headquarter uh, in the U.S. or in some other countries, we don't feel that because you are not uh, um, in the field of facing the customer, facing competitor on a day-to-day basis. Uh, then you don't feel that kind of, um, you know, the pressure. So, because uh, when I worked in the headquarter in Microsoft uh, back in Seattle, mm-hmm. I, you know, I didn't really feel that kind of uh, intensity, mm-hmm. um, the pressure in China. And once I w- moved to Beijing, I worked there. Uh, wow, there's lots of crisis. Some something, just one little thing happened, right? Then it somehow through social media it created a like a nationwide. <laughs> yeah, news. exactly. <laughs> with, with the help of the social media, right? They spread so fast. You know, right. it's like a yesterday for the national congress. The two journalists, you know, just uh, their expression, their things can be a big, you know, sensational things in the you know social media. So. 
uh, company have to be very careful to prepare for this situation, you know, to, to have a crisis management okay. and uh, to understand Chinese. That's the reason why you have to have a local team. Really, I think in understanding young people, understand the trends, right? What they like, what do they think, how they, you know, behave. So that kind of thing incorporated into your PR strategy. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because China holiday is different, right? You, you not only have to know what's the Western holiday schedule, what is the Chinese holiday, how they celebrate the holiday. You know, what do you say to say, what do you not to say? You know, they, they celebrate <laughs> exactly. every holiday, right? Western Chinese. So you have to be, you know, prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I totally yeah. agree with you. <laughs> Too many stories there. We don't have time to share. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can I can list a lot of key points, but I think these seven points, uh, it's you know if I think about it, it's a major. I need to take care of that one. So, and also in China, I think sometimes you have to think out of the box. So that's why I always tell the company, you know, what you are doing here in US, not necessarily what you are doing in China, right? Can be think boldly. You know, if there's, I have four cent key sentence, I always tell the company, you, you can think boldly here in China. And when, but when you plan, you need to carefully, but when you decide to go, you need to execute really decisively, right? The, the end of the day, the last one, you need to deliver the resource. So that is all my four points. Okay, think boldly, <laughs> plan carefully, <laughs> execute decisively, and at the end of the day, deliver the results. Yeah, that's right. all, all comes, right? <laughs> if you. You, you do the first three things they didn't deliver results, you pre- probably got fired, you know, not too long. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I believe you have uh, done many, many cases, helped many companies on this, and you've seen a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good or bad, but, uh, you know, it's all a learning process. Okay, uh, for today, I have another uh, really big question I really want to uh, spend some time on. That is healthcare. Um a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, Dr. Tingting Zhang on the show with me, and we talked a little bit about healthcare. It is such a huge market and full of opportunities in front of us. So I would like to also hear from you, uh, what are some important trends and opportunities in the healthcare market in China from your observation? Uh-huh. Yeah, I know Tingting is a very expertise. So I'm not an expertise in the medical. Even I, I consulted with two or three medical. I even our uh, surgical robotic is very advanced. So the founder is uh, Dr. Fred Mo, and this is uh, his fourth robotic company. So it's really great for me to honor the two, you know, work with him. Um, look at the Healthy China 2030, right? That is, uh, I think it's 15 years in Denver since they they issued that kind of a policy. Um, I think China have reformed so many years, so they sacrificed a lot of environmentally. Environmentally result a lot of disease. Mm. So they want uh, people to be healthy, to be productivity, uh, to be healthy lifestyle. That's a, the, the reason they have this policy. And uh, you know, a lot of people ask me, say, this is a big slogan, how, how could I you know, go there? So how should I begin with? You know, I look at the, the healthcare in China have really four segments, right? The big segment. You know, number one, 
I call it the diagnostic uh, segment because only you have uh, pinpoint accurate diagnostic, uh, you cannot provide the therapeutic solutions, right? So in here, it's pretty crowded, you know, same as US. It's a lot of company in the uh, genes, gene, gene like uh, from the gene side to, to do the analysis. Another people doing the immunology side, people do the X-ray radiation to detect more accurate, more virtual reality. Also, some people use uh, you know robotic to detect to cell level, right? So that's a one area I think it, the diagnostic segment. Then after you have really clear diagnosis, you know, then you go to the therapeutic solution, right? Now it's a really I think in the golden age for the healthcare. Uh, not only in the Western country, but also in the in the China. You know, FDA just passed the first HIV drug from China. You know, that is a really breakthrough for China. Also, you have a lot of Chinese firms have great valuation, have a great uh, uh, cancer discovery oncology side, right? So another one I call the therapeutic. You therapeutic is called the gene therapy. You know oncology, um, also radiation, also the robotic side. So so this is another second big one. The third one I call it the rehabilitation side. You know, people uh, get a sports injury, get the injury from professional or uh, from the, you know, like cerebral palsy, this kind of disease. So before the only thing is that, you know, you have the therapist go there, do the manual work, now you can use a machine, right? You can use robotic, you can use, uh, you know, framework, robotic framework to help them stand up, help them, you know, to to train them to be recovered from that kind of a disability. So this is, a, I think, is a lot of opportunity in here in the rehabilitation, uh, AI, AR automation. The the last one, I think, is common not only for China, right, but also for for the Western country, like Japan, China, when we have more senior people, uh, we shortage on the labor, how we help them, how the assistant living, how we use technology to help senior people, you know, to, to make up the labor shortage, right? Because you need a, for example, in Japan, they have robotic can uh, put the senior into the bathtub and also can put them back so, so that kind of thing, I think in this area, there's a lot of opportunity. Uh, if you have technology, if you have service following this full technology uh, segment, there's a lot of opportunity in China because government want to put a lot of resource on there. And uh, you know, PVC want to put a lot of money in there. A lot of uh, company, uh, traditional pharmaceutical or medical device company, they try to transform them to more modern level they want to work with you. So so I look at the next 10 to 15 years as a golden age uh, opportunity in China in the healthcare sector. Wow, great. Mm. I love the way how you um, sep- uh, divided the healthcare, um, this big sector or big industry into the four parts. Uh, it, it helps me to visualize from, you know, the beginning to then, you know, after people recover, it's the, the, the diagnostic. So you figure out what's wrong, uh, what's the problem, then you treat it uh, uh, therapeutic, and mm-hmm. then you help people recover. Um, what's the word you said? Rehabit. 
rehabilitation. Rehabilitation, yeah, rehabilitation. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And then for the longer term, uh, especially for senior people, that's the assistant living. Yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's a, a big, uh, a very complex market. You use this four segment to, um, you know, to make it uh, uh, pretty clear. And uh, any technologies, any new methodologies, uh, new things in those areas that would mm -hmm. be very welcomed and uh, easy to get uh, attraction and funding. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay, so I'm excited yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, because healthcare is a very regulated uh, sector in any country, right? Because it's so important, so related to people's disease. So that's really, you know, you, you, it's a high reward. You know, company try to, every government try to protect you research. Some drug nearly take 10 years. Every critical drug take 10 years. You do the clinical trial, you do the testing. So big investment, right? But also the when you success, that's a big reward. China have more people, you know, need more. If you go to China hospital, you know how busy that is. Totally oh, different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very different than here. Uh, in hospital in China, it's like a, everybody goes to the hospital versus they go to the clinics. But I mm -hmm. think that's changing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a, I definitely think CFDA has a great reform in the last two or three years to, mm -hmm. to more international standard. And they also face a challenge, right? Because every you know, we are unbalanced. There's a lot of healthcare, top healthcare in Beijing, Shanghai, Guangzhou, and not a lot of you know, in the second tier city, third tier city. So China try to, you know, change that kind of situation. They try to let the HMO system, you know, have that out diagnostic in the in the really low level, then you decide where you go to, to balance that resource concentration. Right. Well, we only have a very short time left. I want to really ask you a, a more practical question. So to help people really get a little bit of idea on where they can start. So mm -hmm. assume I, my company is doing something in related to the four segments you just mentioned, the opportunity areas. Mm -hmm. And uh, so where can I start? Who sh should I go to in order to really enter into the China market uh, and to get the investment uh, and to get the market <laughs> to, to yeah. sell there? Yeah. I think that number one, still look at like our like feasibility analysis, right? You need to see, uh, is, your market, is your product really unique? Uh, really advanced, or you are one of the product that a lot of Chinese companies already produce, you, you have to compete on price. So if in that case, I'm not really suggest you go, I think you, you have to have some uh, differentiation, unique, right? Really leading technology these days to attract the, the Chinese partnership or investment. That is very important because this is a very regulatory uh, driven Market, I think in number one, you, you need to see who is investing in healthcare in China, right? Because this kind of investment, PEVC, they know uh, who is doing in which sector and they have the resource to help you to connect with them. Or you yeah. decided that maybe. We only have one minute uh, left, so we need to just. Uh, uh, just to highlight the big points uh, yeah, for our partnership. Yeah. Who is uh, who is doing that one? Potentially want to work with you. That's joint venture. Or you can be say wealthy, right? Just do yourself first. Get a CFDA. Then you're looking for uh, evaluate what other opportunities. I think summarize. You have three options. You do yourself. 
the same time you evaluate who is your partnership long-term in China, another you're doing the joint venture with uh, the partnership, they have a channel, they have a customer, they have strengths, right, the resource. Number three, I think you work with an investment uh, entity, they already invest in healthcare. So that is my really quick answer. Great. Thanks so much. I want to thank our audience as well. It's always uh, great to have everybody here um, who cares about China and uh, listening to the show. Uh, today we have talked about why did some companies fail while others succeeded in China. I want to send a special thank you to our wonderful guest, Wei Dong Chen, uh, who is an expert in um, the, the China market, uh, helping companies uh, enter into the market. And uh, Wei Dong also have a specialty in the healthcare market. So you can find more about Wei Dong and uh, their consulting service at uh, howray.com. It's H-A-O-R-A-Y.com. And you can also go to LinkedIn to follow Wei Dong Chen. Um, it, the name is W-E-I-D-O-N-G, last name C-H-E-N. And also email him weidong.chen at howray.com. You are listening to In China with Michelle Zhou. And next week, we are going to take a deeper look at how can you enter into the China, uh, into the, this market for the healthcare sector. See you next week. Thank you for tuning into In China with Michelle Zhao. Please join us for another edition next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again next week. 